0: Uh, We're thankful for uh, moving into the book of Acts. Uh, It's going to take us on a different journey than in the past in the Gospels. However, uh, we're going to find out that uh, Acts was written by Luke, the doctor. And as we begin Acts, we have to actually go back into the last chapter of St. Luke. Well, actually the last chapter, and also if we went to the very beginning of Luke, as Luke wrote the book, Luke was a very matter-of-fact, and he wrote things to uh, give facts and to back up what he was saying. And if you look at the very first part of Luke, he writes to a person, it's almost as if he's writing the book to Theophilus. And you'll notice that name not only in the first chapter of St. Luke, but you also notice it in the first chapter and first verse of Acts. If you do some research and begin to look at Theophilus, you find out that he is, um, they really don't say who he is. They guess at his title. Some say he was an attorney that, um, that was in the courts. But if you look up the name Theophilus, it's defined as one who loves God or as a friend of God. And if we take that term, we can then uh, understand that the book of Acts and even Luke was written to the lovers of God. And the important thing is Luke is doing his very best to be accurate in the telling of the story of Jesus, all that Jesus did, all that uh, the stories that uh, he was able to document, he wanted to give as much detail as possible for Theophilus. Now, as he wrote the book of Luke, he was telling the story of Jesus uh, from the beginning up until this point, point, uh, up to ascension. And in the book of Acts, we find out that Luke is actually carrying on the story, but he changes the focus because in this, in the book of Acts, he doesn't necessarily talk about Jesus, but he talks about Jesus through the Holy Ghost. And we're going to deal with that in just a little bit, but it's important that we realize that the focus is changing because Jesus is getting ready to be ascended up into heaven. If you turn back to Luke chapter 24 and we're going to at the very beginning here we're going to bounce back and forth just a little bit because I think it's important that we understand Luke's focus and how as he wrote the book of Acts it ties right in with uh, the book of Saint Luke and so if you go to chapter uh, 24 and if you look at verse 49 that's at the very end of the chapter it says and behold i send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high and verse 50 says and he led them out of as far as to bethany and lifted up his hands and blessed them and it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. So at the end of St. Luke, we find out that they were there at the ascension where Jesus was ascended up into heaven, and they heard the promise that was waiting for them all the way in, in Luke. They were to wait for the promise of the Father, And we all know the promise of the Father is the Holy Ghost, right? And so if we go back over to Acts chapter 1, we can then begin to see how uh, Luke starts out the chapter, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And so he continues this same theme of uh, documenting the life of Jesus but he's going to change the focus of not the physical Jesus but the spirit man Jesus and so he continues and says until the day in which he was taken up after that he through the Holy Ghost had given commandment unto his apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, we have to remember that during this time, we're in the same period between resurrection and Pentecost, right? And we understand that Jesus was here after he was risen from the dead for 40 days. And during this time, he established himself as Jesus, He went around showing who he was and demonstrating that he indeed had been risen from the dead. But remember, he was a little bit different, wasn't he? Because he encouraged some not to touch him because he hadn't yet gone to his father, which then lets us know that there were several trips that Jesus, he made more than one trip up into heaven because as he had been uh, just resurrected, he ran into Mary and said, don't touch me because I have not yet gone to my father. But then we read on a little bit further and we find out that he was in the room with the apostles and said, touch me, because he had obviously gone and seen his father and been approved of his father and is now dealing with the disciples. And so it's important that we, we as God's people begin to understand that the physical Jesus isn't showing up right now. He's not going to show up because he's, he's with his father, right? He says, if I don't go, then I can't send the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, right? So oftentimes we're looking for Jesus in the physical, but yet he's gone away to prepare a place for us, and he's left the Holy Ghost here in his place that he might the Holy Ghost might teach us, and also to be... Come his witnesses. And we're going we're to deal with that. But I want you to know, understand that Luke is really taking purposeful steps to document this. And it's important that every believer understand the story of Jesus. Because if I don't know the story of Jesus, how then can I share it with someone else? And again, that was our whole purpose from the very beginning as we, we stopped, we were in the book of Psalms. We stopped uh, reading the, the book of Psalms and jumped to the gospels because I can't remember the exact event, but something happened to where it was important that we understood who Jesus is so that when it comes our time to minister, to go out into the world, we will know who Jesus is, not just from the stories that we've read, but through the activities of the spirit of God functioning in our lives and so as this story unfolds in Acts we're able to see how that there was a promise on the table and I want you to know that all the promises of God are good not good I mean not good as in good there are good promises and there's some bad promises aren't there But we want you to understand that if God promises you something, it's going to come to pass. And that can be a good thing, and it can be a bad thing. He promised that if we obey him, he would bless us. And if we disobey him, he promised that he would curse us. So again, that's a promise, but there's a good, good side and there's a bad side, isn't there? And as we begin to focus on this, Jesus proved that he rose from the dead and he made sure that he showed everyone that he was indeed alive during this 40 days and left a promise as he ascended up on high for them to go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise. Now, we understand now that, so there were 10 days that we're dealing with that the disciples were in the upper room because they left They left there and they said it was a Sabbath day's journey and they went to Jerusalem. If you, you'll read that over at the last part of Luke, it was a Sabbath day's journey. And they ended up in Jerusalem and went into the upper room. So if we keep reading in Acts and being assembled together in verse 4, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith ye, he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So the promise is that they would be baptized with the Holy Ghost in in a few days. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou, at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel. That's kind of funny that the disciples ask this question because oftentimes we as God's people, we get focused on the wrong things, don't we? And as we look at this question, they were trying to figure out when the kingdom of God was gonna be reestablished, when it was gonna be rebuilt. And so we find that they were asking questions that were out of phase. Because this wasn't the time, talking about you know, when Jerusalem was gonna be rebuilt. This wasn't the time um, when, uh, for them to be questioning when the kingdom was going to come again, because again, God had a plan, and God's plan many times is different than our plans. So Jesus says to them, he says in verse uh, seven, he said unto them, It is not for you to know the time nor the season which the Father hath put in his own power. And so Jesus says in a nice manner, listen, it's none of your business. You go do what I told you to do and focus on waiting for the promise that the Father has given, given you. And I pray that we really see this on tonight because if we don't understand how important it is, to establish ourselves on the promises of God, many times we miss out on the blessings of God. And this whole uh, verse eight establishes what he had planned for them. If you look at verse eight, but ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, what are we to witness to? This is a question to the class. What are we witnessing to? Anyone? He said in verse 8, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria in the uttermost parts of the earth. What is he referring to? What am I to witness to? The resurrection of Jesus Christ, for one thing, that uh, Christ rose from the grave, that he died, he was buried, and he rose again. So the gospel message. Yes, that's part of it. Because again, if Jesus did not come away, the Holy Ghost could not come, right? And so he says here, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Well, they're witnessing to the power of the Holy Ghost that has come. Okay. Bingo. Uh, See, they're witnessing. They've already witnessed the fact that Jesus resurrect, was resurrected from the dead, Right. Because he spent those 40 days establishing the fact that he had had been raised from the dead by the power of God. Then he tells his disciples, listen, I want you to go to Jerusalem and wait there until you be endued with power from on high. Because he wanted them to witness the power of the Holy Ghost or the Spirit of God uh, indwelling them and overtaking them. Because that's the power, isn't it? The Holy Ghost is the source of our strength, isn't he? Therefore, if I partake in this promise, then I can witness to the fact that the Holy Ghost is here. So, I, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting thought because oftentimes you don't hear that in church anymore. But when you read the scripture... It's very clear, but ye shall receive power. What do we to witness to? To the power of God to overtake and indwell our lives. And the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and in the uttermost parts of the earth. And as we as God's church are established, we should be witnessing to the power of the Holy Ghost functioning in our own personal lives were to witness to it. Sister Gloria. Yeah, I, uh, I, I agree with that. But I just was reminded remi- that uh, when Peter or Paul, when they uh, went out, that they always started with the gospel first. Um, you know, Jesus was there because a lot of the people didn't believe that he had been raised from the dead. And so I, that's why I thought that that's what the, some of the, I mean, their witness also included. Absolutely. That is, that is a, a foundational piece of it because the message is Jesus. Yes. But, and, and they wanted, Jesus wanted them to be endued with the power of the Holy Ghost, just like he was empowered with the power of God. Because everything that Jesus did was through the power of God, huh? Yes. Every word he spoke was from God. Everything that he did, he prayed to his father, and his father worked through him and healed the folks and, and raised the dead and, and the lame walked, the blind could see. It was all through the power of God. Jesus now... He says, I got something for you. I want you to be endued with the power of the Holy Ghost so that you can be my witnesses to the power of God as well. Amen. for others to hear and believe, we have to go through Jesus Christ. So we can't separate the two. The two go together because the message of Jesus has to be preached that others might believe and receive the power of the Holy Ghost and be witnesses to that power. Any other comments on that or questions? All right. And so it's interesting that as Jesus began to deal with, um, establish this fact, in verse nine, he says, and when they had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked up steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood uh, by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This, is, this same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then they they unto Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, which is from Jerusalem about a Sabbath day's journey. So again, we see the same accounts in Luke chapter 24. We see it right here in verse 12, where after Jesus ascended up into heaven, the disciples began their journey, a day's journey, to Jerusalem. And if you keep reading in verse 13, and when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zealot, and Judas, the brother of James. And they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren. Now, it's important for us to realize on tonight that because we are now saved, God has a promise for each believer, and that is to be receive the power of the Holy Ghost. And as we look at the scripture in verse 14, The steps are given here on how to receive the power of the Holy Ghost. It tells us that they all continued with one accord in prayer and in supplication. Now, if if you begin to look at prayer and supplication, those are two different words. They almost have the same meanings. One prayer is an earnest um, uh, earnest request and um, for something desired, supplication is also making a petition, but also having an excellency of character, which means as we worship God, worship is, is from our lifestyle. I worship God. I know oftentimes in the lifting of our hands, we we call that worship, and that is a form of worship. But as we look at the scripture and this particular definition, worship also means I worship God through how I live my life, meaning if I am in obedience to God's word, I'm worshiping him as I live. If I disobey God's word, I am not worshiping God. And so it, we, we've got to come to the place as we're seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that if we are going to receive of him, then we must get on one accord with him. I've got to start thinking like, like the Godhead. I've got to start obeying as God has commanded. I've got to begin to sanctify myself and get myself together. And, and stop doing those things that bring dishonor to God. Stop lying and, and the cheating and the stealing and, and, and all those things that bring dishonor to God. If I want to receive God's very best, then I have to bring myself into subjection and let him uh, align my life up with him. Now, I can't do it all by myself, but... We've got to do our part so that the glory of God can come in and do the work because he says, I have a gift for you. And even you know that if <laughs> when birthday birthday time comes around, if you've been good, you get a birthday gift usually. If you've been bad, do you usually get a birthday gift? Well, in our house, I remember one particular birthday, um, we, we were dealing with Darius. He was in grade school, and uh, we asked him to do some things he chose not to, and he did his little thing like we all did. But the problem was we told him, listen, Darius, if you tell us the truth, you, we, you won't get a spanking, but we want you to tell the truth. It's important that you tell the truth. Because God wants us to tell the truth, and if you tell us the truth, you will not get a spanking. So one day Darius hopped in the car and uh, he said, Darius, did you follow the rules? And he got up in his little chair and buckled himself in. He said, no, I did not. And of course, we, we couldn't spank him because we asked him to tell the truth. And if he told the truth, he wouldn't get a spanking. And so Teresa and I began to think about how are we going to deal with this kid? He told the truth. And we told him we couldn't spank him. And so uh, Teresa finally came up and said, well, you know, his birthday's coming up next week. It may be in a week or two away. And so I said, oh, that's perfect. So by the time we got home, I said, Darius, I want to thank you for telling the truth. I said, we really appreciate that. And now I said, because you told the truth, you will not get a spanking. However, because you broke the rules, you won't get your birthday gift. And it was something he wanted real bad. And, boy, <laughs> I, and I, t- I named it, and I told him what it was. And he, he fell out on the floor like I whooped him all night. <laughs> But see, we've got to understand that if we're going to receive a gift from God, I've got to do my part and act right, talk right, be right, because it's about being Christian, not just getting saved at one time in our life. We've got to be Christian so that the glory of God can be, be manifested in our lives and he blesses us because of our obedience, and so the being baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this gift, the promise. It's promised to us, to every believer, and it is up to us to do what is necessary to receive from God, and we just have to seek him, turn from our wicked ways, and ask God for this gift that he has for us so that we can know what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. For if I know what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God, then I know I I know what it I know what that means. It's not a it's not a story. It's not make believe. I actually know and have empirical evidence. And that it's interesting as Luke is 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 going through this same process of giving us accurate information to Theophilus as he's writing acts. Then it also helps us to understand how important it is for us to get the facts of Jesus, right, to get the promises right so that we can have them a part of our personal lives so they can't be disputed. And so uh, any questions on that on tonight, as we are dealing with receiving the baptism of the Holy spirit, if you want the baptism of the Holy spirit, all you need to do is ask for it and bring your life into subjection to the word into obedience to the word of God and if you seek him he will he will overshadow you and bless you so that you know what it truly means to be filled with the spirit of God and he does doesn't do it just so that you can speak with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but it's done so that you will know what is required to be filled with the spirit, because that's our job is to be full of the spirit of God and empty of my fleshly ways. And if you don't know what it means to be filled with the spirit, you just don't know what it means to be filled with the spirit of God. And so it's, it's a very, uh, This is a promise he sent his disciples to Jerusalem to wait for it. It is our duty to receive it. For everyone that has not received it, I encourage you to begin to pray and to align yourself with the word of God and ask God, I I want to know what it means to be filled with the spirit of God. And if you seek God, he will indeed fill you because it's a gift just for you. Amen. All right, now the scripture takes an interesting turn here as we're going to uh, verse 15, uh, because it's interesting how the scripture, uh, even as we are dealing with Acts and um, St. Luke, and how we can see the scriptures being, uh, we can find a little information here and a little over over in St. Luke, we find that there's information throughout the scriptures, but many times we have to seek for it. And as we look at this particular section of scriptures in verse 15, it begins to read. And in those days, Peter stood in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120 and men and brethren, this scripture must need be fulfilled. So again, As he's speaking, he's saying the scripture must be fulfilled because if you don't have the scripture, you don't have anything, you just have opinion. And if you just have opinion, you know, everybody has it. Glenn used to always say, uh, opinions are like Billy button, everybody has one. Well, again, we're not looking for opinion, we want the scripture because if we're gonna live after Jesus, then we have got to begin to uh, let the Scripture be our voice, just like every time Jesus spoke, he said, "These are not my words, but these are my Father's words." So uh, Peter is saying, "Men and brethren, this Scripture need uh, must need be fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spoke before concerning Judas." Wait a minute. It's saying that the Holy Ghost was talking to David through the mouth of David, spoke. Well, remember, even in the very beginning, the Holy Ghost was there too when the Spirit of God moved across the face of the waters. That was the Holy Ghost, wasn't it? So again, we see the Holy Ghost, even though now is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit, but a a moment ago, Jesus, his time was. Uh, in the Gospels. Now it's the Holy Ghost turn in the book of Acts. So there are different times we see different uh, uh, pieces of, uh, I don't even know the the right term, dispensations or different forms of God uh, being in the forefront. And so uh, we see that David uh, spoke before concerning Judas. Now this was a a long time ago, David was speaking about Judas Iscariot, the one that betrayed Jesus. And we find that um, it says, which was guide to them that took Jesus. So if you go back over in Psalms uh, and you look around verse uh, Psalms 41, verse 9, you begin to see how even David was talking about what was going to happen to Judas who betrayed Jesus by receiving the 30 pieces of silver. Uh, it refers to, remember we were talking about this even in Luke, where he would raise his heel, uh, you know, because whenever you see a, a horse raise up his heel, he's getting ready to kick or he's getting ready to rebel, right? And even in the scripture in Psalms, it it uh, Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick. Uh, it begins, uh, Psalms 41, here it is, and verse 9, and it says, Yea, mine own familiar friend in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, had lifted up his heel against me. So even in Psalms, David was talking about the fact that Jesus was going to betray Jesus. And it shows, if you keep going, keep reading in Acts, verse 17, for the number, for he was numbered with us, because he was part of the 12, and he obtained part of this ministry. He was a part of the ministry too, wasn't he? Now, even though he was a rascal, he was still a part of the ministry. Verse 18 says, now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity, and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as that the field is called in their proper tongue, a, a a, a aseloma, that is to say, the field of blood. And so in this particular scripture, Uh, verse 18, it's talking about Judas and the death that he would uh, die, and because of his betrayal of Jesus. Now, if you just read in uh, the book of Acts in chapter one, it really doesn't give us a, a clear story as to what really happened, and it does not really specify who bought the land and, and what was really going on? So if you were to turn over in your Bibles to St. Matthew chapter 27, you'll find out that in Matthew we get a, a, a clear under uh, we, we have more clarity as to what's going on. In Matthew, if you begin reading at verse three, it says, then Judas which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, so he had already betrayed Jesus, he had come to himself and said, oh my goodness, I've sinned, I'm I'm damned. He says, he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. So Judas says, oh man i did something bad and he says i'm condemned i'm lost he repents to who not himself and i mean not to jesus and not to god but he repents to himself and to the priest as we're going to read in just a a few verses and it's interesting people Ask a lot of questions, but just read the scripture. He said, Repented that when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders. Verse 4 says, Saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood, and they say, That what is that to us? See thou oops, see thou to that, meaning, listen, Judas, this is your problem, and we don't care. Now, I hope you understand what's happening here, because Judas realizes that he had messed up bad. He says, I don't want this money anymore. So he takes the money back to the chief priest, because remember, the chief priest gave him 30 pieces of silver, as after Judas had kissed Jesus, they gave him the 30 pieces. Well, after he realized what he had done, he takes the money back to those same chief priests. Now remember, the chief priests were supposed to be God's folks, right? Yeah, those those were God's folks. And they said, listen, I don't want this money anymore. I've sinned against, and shed innocent blood, they said, that's your problem. We've got to be very careful about the decisions that we make, because many times as we make decisions, many times there's no turning back. Many times we, there, there's, there, you know, even, um, if I remember correctly, wasn't it Saul that sought, um, repentance with tears but he couldn't find it we had to be very careful about what we decide to do and what we decide not to do because it can have some very lasting and permanent uh, consequences in our lives and so if we keep reading it says in verse five and he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself So he gave them the money back. He left that place, left the temple, and he went and hanged himself. Verse 6 says, the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful for us to put this money into the treasury because it's blood money. So the chief priest said, well, it's against the law. We can't just put it into the treasury. So what they decided to do uh, in verse wherefore that, oh, I'm sorry, verse seven, they took counsel and brought them the potter's field to bury strangers in. So what they did, they took the money, they bought the potter's field and decided that they would use that field to bury strangers in. If we keep reading verse nine, then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet. So again, each step, that it has been taken place as Judas is uh, gone through this act of disobedience and betrayal has been prophesied not only by David, but also by Jeremy the prophet. And, and it just goes right on down the line. And, and see, many times we think we get away with our actions, but we don't get away. We do not get away. And so as, and if you can keep reading, there's a couple more verses uh, that deal with Jeremy as he's talking. But the important thing is to realize that Judas dies. He hangs himself. He dies a heinous death. He, um, you know, in the scripture, it talks about the fact that he hung himself and that he fell headlong, meaning, face first down, um, I was reading a, a different version and they alluded to the fact, because all the details are not really there, but it alluded to the fact that the rope that he used had to have broken for him to fall flat on his face, causing his bowels to gush out and to burst because, due to the swelling that um, ensued from hanging himself. And as we consider that on tonight, I pray that we understand that nobody gets away for free. You would think, I'm sure Judas betrays Jesus. He goes on his way, got 30 pieces of silver in his pocket. And everyone says, well, how come Judas got away with it? Did Judas really get away with it? No. He was messed up because the weight of his decisions caused him to go and hang himself. And it was heinous. And so if we go back over to Acts, if we go back to the Acts chapter 1, and we go to verse, uh, verse 20, it picks up where Matthew, where we were reading in Matthew, And in the Psalms, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. So remember, they had just said in a couple verses prior that Judas was a part of the ministry of Jesus, right? So he was a part of the ministry. You know, he had a job as a bishop, or his bishopric, his district, and they wanted to give it to someone else. And it's interesting that we think that we're so important many times that no one can replace us. But I want you to know, as soon as we're gone, someone's going to replace you. And it is up to us to do our very best. Luke is taking... uh, uh, Going to great lengths to give us the facts of what happened, and I pray that each of us will take time to develop and learn the facts of Jesus Christ, so that when the time comes, we can share that information with someone that they they too might believe. And so, as Judas is now gone, they must replace Judas, and so they gather two men together. If you read uh, the scripture in verse um 24 it's interesting that they get back to the the right way verse 24 says and they prayed and said thou lord which knowest the hearts of all men show, oops excuse me show whether these two have chosen. let's see someone's wrong hold on just one second there we go all right verse 24 let me start again and they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go in his own place. And they gave forth um, their lots, and the lots fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. And so it's interesting that they prayed and began to ask God, who knows the hearts of all men, to choose who would fill this spot that uh, Judas had vacated. And I pray that each of us will begin to consult the Lord because he will give us answers to the things that um, we need answers for and especially when it came down to replacing Judas they had to find a good man that was able to fill the fill his place and live to a standard uh, of righteousness that the people would then follow because you know how it goes when you have a bad pastor or a bad leader or a bad prophet or a bad whatever and and they can seem to salt the whole mess over the whole city you know And then you send someone else to fill their place and everyone thinks that they're the same. And so it's important as they show how they put the choice in God's hand and they cast lots and the lot fell on Matthias and he took Judas's place. And so I pray that as we look at this opening chapter, this is just the beginning. It's going to take off from here and we'll begin to see the acts of the apostles. But I thought it was very important to take some time on tonight to begin to see how we can, the Scripture says here a little and there a little. We can find pieces of this, of the Scripture found not only in Acts, but we can find it in St. Luke. We can find it in Matthew. We found some over in Psalms. And each of, as we look through the Scriptures, it takes time, doesn't it? It takes time to to spend not only reading, but then it takes time to get understanding. And it's important that we allow the Holy Ghost to lean and guide us and direct us. He said in the scripture that the Holy Ghost is our teacher, and he will teach us how to live holy. He'll teach us how to be a friend of God, how to, to love God, how to love our our, our husbands, our wives, our children, our neighbor, uh, he'll teach us. All we have to do is have a teachable spirit so that we can be taught the ways of God so that we can in turn live the ways of God and demonstrate it to a dying world or to those that don't know him so that when we come into contact with them, our life speaks before our mouth speaks. And that's what having the spirit of God will do for us, if my spirit is right, See, even the scripture, uh, talking the passage, the scripture says, the nat- for the natural man receiving not the things of the spirit of God, for their foolishness unto them, neither can they know them, because they're spiritually discerned, First uh, Corinthians 2.14, uh, and we have got to get the spirit of God functioning in our lives, otherwise we're just natural people talking about Bible stuff. But we need the Spirit of God functioning on the inside so that our lifestyle agrees with what's coming out of our mouth when we start talking Scripture and and doing right. We've got to have the Spirit of God functioning so that his will is done just like it was in Jesus. Everything that Jesus did gave God praise. And so... um, That's our chapter on tonight, and it's more of an overview and introduction to the book of Acts. And as we understand the beginning, then as we deal with the happenings that took place, we'll understand how Luke is trying to explain to someone else the importance of Jesus through the power of the Holy Ghost, not just the physical Jesus, but the spirit Jesus, because that same spirit dwells on the inside of us, doesn't it? So it now places the Bible and the actions of the Bible in our arena, in our lifetime, because the spirit of God is it dwells in us. It's our duty to allow the Holy Ghost to what the spirit of God to, you know, the you know, pastor's story about the white dog and the black dog. You know, whoever we feed the most is the one, that wins the battle and the one that we act like. And I pray that we let the spirit of God begin to take control of each of our lives so that we begin to be his witnesses, witness to the power of the Holy Ghost because the power of the Holy Ghost will help me to talk right and to act right and to think right and to be right so that God is glorified just like Jesus glorified God through his life while he was here on earth.